0: Hello, friends. I'm Allison Michelle, welcoming you to Best Mom Ever. We welcome everyone who is listening, especially those who want to build great relationships with the teens in your life. Before we jump in, Best Mom Ever is a free virtual event where you will gain the skills to create a close relationship with your teenage daughter. In joining us for this event, you will discover the proven strategies to get out of isolation and into trust, happiness and confidence with your girl without draining your bank account on Shrinks. Listening in and applying what these incredible speakers have to share may be just the thing that helps you build the relationship you dream of. Welcome. We are glad you're here. Hello, friends. I'm Allison Michelle, welcoming you to Best Mom Ever. We welcome everyone who is listening, especially those who want to build great relationships with the teens in your life. Today, we get to hear from the wonderful Angela Karanja, and we'll be talking about how to support teens in the midst of fear from the events in the world. Before we jump in, Best Mom Ever is a free virtual event where you will gain the skills to create a close relationship with your teenage daughter. In joining us for this event, you will discover the proven strategies to get out of isolation and into trust, happiness, and confidence with your girl without draining your bank account on shrinks. Listening in and applying what these incredible speakers have to offer may be just the thing that helps you build the relationship that you dream of. Welcome, we're so glad you're here. Here today with us is Angela Karanja. I'm so happy to share her with you today and connect with her message. Angela is an adolescent psychologist, parenting teenagers expert and creator of the Raising Remarkable Teenagers podcast. She helps parents build strong bonds with their teenagers based on honesty and trust so that they can raise resilient and highly effective teenagers without losing their minds. Welcome, Angela. Thank you for being with us today and bringing your message.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to be here to be chatting with you and also to be chatting with all the mums that are listening here so thank you so much for the invitation
0: it's my pleasure we're so glad you're here today's teens have grown up with constant access to global events and exposure mm-hmm. to 24 hour news cycles global events can be pretty unsettling how do you think it affects our young people
1: oh goodness it's it's been it's been really hard some of the hardest times for especially our young people. We're just really, most of us are still really in the, in the pandemic and we, we're trying to come out of it and then we are back into it. And then there's also other frightening events of the world, right? And here is the thing, because of the, of the media, the internet, we have Frightening events happening and everyone knows, everyone knows. So here we have young people whose um, frontal cortex and and new parents, you probably know that during the teenage years, our young people's brains are still developing. And one of the last bits of the brain to develop is the executive function, so while some of us may listen to the news and say, It shall be well, this too shall pass. We have kids who it drops into them and they think it's the end of the world, right? And that's their feeling and it is valid. So I'm so glad, Alison, you asked, how how can we help them navigate this kind of fear that is spewing in the whole world, right? Without actually damaging them because what we know is these kind of events, whether they are happening at home or far away, as long as we get to hear them, it doesn't matter how close they are home. We know our young people are experiencing trauma, right? And this is what we call, in psychology, we call this uh, adverse childhood experiences. Now, In early days, people used to think, oh, it's just child abuse or happening at home. That is what causes uh, this trauma. However, with this world becoming such a small village so that everyone knows what's happening, and like you said, frightening events happening, our kids are experiencing that. They see, they watch on the news, other kids being shot, they watch on the news, other kids shooting others, they watch on the news, kids lying in the streets, abandoned, families fleeing. And I tell you about
0: the war in Ukraine.
1: Yeah, it's it's really frightening. But I believe we all know this. So I don't think we are here to describe the evils and the bad things of the world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, what we want to know is how can we help our young people process these events so that then they can come out successfully without the damages that happen when our young people experience trauma.
0: So so what you're saying is that they're experiencing the trauma of the whole world in their own living rooms, in their own brains, in their bodies based on what they're seeing, even if their homes are relatively safe places.
1: Absolutely, Alison. Absolutely. Here is what we know in research, right? When you observe something that's happening to someone else, your mind and your body, it doesn't know that it's, it's not you. It's not happening to you. Mm, yeah. For example, when you watch a frightening movie, it's happening on the screen. It's not even true. But have you had a point where you're so frightened you you want to go to the toilet or something mm-hmm. and this is what happens. This is what's happening and that's why it's so important for us as parents first of all to manage ourselves because sometimes it's hard to help someone if you yourself are already in the ditch right? So it's really important for us to process those events ourselves right and okay. it's about- so taking mm-hmm. care of
0: our own energy and how our children perceive our experiences with what we are seeing in the world.
1: Absolutely. I love the way you phrase it, Allison. because we are not being nonchalant or being um, non-empathetic, but we look and say, how can I make this better? Now, if there is nothing you can do That's when you ask yourself, how can I manage myself so that I'm not passing this fear, this angst to my kids, right?
0: Because they have their own angst.
1: (laughs) They have their own angst. They have their own fears. So it's about managing. And and I'm sure you've got processes, for example, being in the present, quieting your mind. And some of the things I, especially when I'm feeling helpless, I do is say, this too shall pass, right? I may not have the wherewithal to do anything about this. But if I continue, for example, to watch, if I continue to wallow in this, I'm going to reduce my frequency and my, my consciousness to such a low level that I cannot even encourage or empower my kids. So I have to manage my own vibration, my own energy, right? And bring it to to a higher level, not because I don't care about other people, but it's because I care for me. And I know if I don't look after myself, I haven't got anything to give to anyone.
0: So you're saying that when you Take care of your own self and your own energy, then Mm -hmm. you're much more able to be the parent that your child needs in a situation where they are feeling fear or afraid. And especially if they want to talk to you about it, then they're getting that sense of confidence from you so that they feel comfortable even approaching it.
1: Absolutely. And what happens is when you're able to manage yourself, there is a competence and a confidence that comes with you and then you are able to initiate these conversations because sometimes kids will will be experiencing things and feeling things and they don't tell you, right? But if you are in a safe and sound stance yourself, you are able to initiate this conversation Mm, and it's very important that we initiate them because if we don't, Here is what happens. The kids stick with them in their brain. And unfortunately, stories that are in the brain, they become bigger. They become monsters in their own brains, right? But when we as parents have managed ourselves to such an extent that I'm feeling confident and competent and also compassionate to talk about these events, then I can initiate those conversations. And in that way, I am able to help my team talk about what it is that they are experiencing, what's their experience, what's happening, how do you feel about it, right? And as we open up with them to tell us how they are feeling about it, what is the meaning they are making from this event, right? Then we are able to help them process. Because here's the thing, Alison. The problems of the world will always be there, right? But how yes. we process them is what differentiates whether you will have a kid who is traumatized for life or a kid who is able to successfully navigate that, that event. So two kids can experience the same thing, but one makes it. One doesn't make it successfully. Why? Because one was able to process this positively and another was stuck. right?
0: You're literally like teaching them resilience by having these conversations with them.
1: Absolutely. And I love what you said because I was about to talk about resilience because
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: I, I love it. I'm loving this. and I was talk I was about to talk, uh, I was about, to talk uh, about resilience. Because resilience is really about being able to process events that come and then constantly changing. You're changing for the better because of what has happened. So think think about a spiral spring, right? That's coming up, coming higher, coming higher, coming higher every time. So that every time something happens, something presses you down, like these events do. right? You you are able to push through and then come higher, come higher every time you're coming higher.
0: So you're you're actually using the negative events in the world, the scary things that happen in the world as learning opportunities to build strength and growth in your team.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's in having these conversations that you also get to hear their fears and their aspirations, right? So, and then in hearing their fear, how can we help them process this so that, you know, you don't have to live in fear? And in the same breath, they're thinking, how is me as a person, how can I make a difference, not necessarily in what has happened, but in what, in my space, in my space, how can I make a difference? And that could be, it could be little things like being kinder to the, mm-hmm. to, to, to the people around me. Because for example, if there has been a, a shooting somewhere, my kid over here in, for example, I'm in England, I'm in Oxfordshire. My daughter may not be able to do anything about that. However, however, because of the conversations we have heard, because when such things happen, we notice that there's compassion missing. There's kindness missing. So we talk about this and then we ask ourselves, how can we be kinder to ourselves as a family? How can we be kinder to the people that we go to school with, our teachers, the people in the supermarket, in the grocery store? How can we be kinder? That way, we are able to influence our little circle. And imagine if each one of us is able to be kind exactly where they are, some of these events would not be happening.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, we are empowering our own teens of this Mm -hmm. generation to heal people and the planet by the experiences that they've had. um, Just watching what they're seeing in the world, we're empowering them to make the world a better place. I love that framework. I love it. It's beautiful, Angela.
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad. And what I wanted to say, I want you to think, if you forget everything else Alison and I have talked today, I want you to remember these three R's when it comes to helping your young person process the fears and the angst of what's happening. It could even be what's happening in their own classroom, right? I want them to be able to recognize, right? Help them to recognize What is happening? Don't pretend that something is not happening, right? Recognize that this has happened. And then, is this good or bad? Then, the next R is refrain. Decide that this was awful, but this is what I'm going to do with it. That's what we call reframing. When you reframe the way you think about something, you're not saying that it's a bad thing is good, what you're saying is, I'm going to look at it as that person has possibly not learned to be kind. Yeah, that person has not yet learned to be kind. And so I don't want to be like that person. For example, if you hate the people or if you go and do nasty things to them, you're just reducing yourself. Because I've had kids say, including my own daughter, she'll say, oh, done such a really bad thing. And in that conversation, I'm like, okay, so they've done a really bad thing. And what you want to do is another really bad thing. Right. You see what I, think?
0: Yes. I mean? Yes. And when
1: you bring it like that, I'm telling you, Alison, kids are able to say, oopsie, actually, that's not how to sort things out. Why are they able to do that? Because within every child, within every kid, there is a seed of kindness, of compassion.
0: So actually, our teens get to learn from the experiences that other people are having without having to experience them, them themselves. So they don't have to experience something scary in their own school or on their own community to, to take the lessons that are there. And have the opportunity to grow and and heal the world from that place.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we as parents need to be so conscious and so intentional about the conversations we have with our young people. So we are constantly asking them So, in this situation, how can you make it better? Because you're capable you're a capable person. And and this is what happens. Our kids, especially our teens, will rise to the position that we think of them. So I come oh, wow. from the, mm-hmm. yeah, I come from the, from the stance that you are already a kind person. You're a compassionate person. You're a loving person.
0: Yes. I love that. Just yeah. Operating with that assumption that, that all humans are wonderful deep down and, and even if our own teens are dealing with angst or struggling with how they treat people, that they are good, and we see that in them to get them to rise to becoming the best versions of themselves that they know how to be.
1: I love the way you said it. I love, love, love the way you said it. And then I want to talk about the last R, which is recalibrate. Yeah.
0: Recalibrate. Okay. Yeah.
1: Because the truth is, we can't. Pre- if you have felt fear, you have felt fear. You can't pretend that I didn't feel it. It's about processing. Because if we don't process that fear, unfortunately, what usually happens is the body stores that, yeah? Right. It stores, the trauma is stored in the body. In fact, there is a book I love by Dr. Koch. It says, the body remembers, right? And the, the reason why we have to recalibrate and actually do, sometimes it could be that I'm, I'm not going to allow this event to affect me. And sometimes it could be sending, one of the things I encourage young people to do is to actually send light and love to every cell of their body. Okay. It's simple. It sounds woo woo, Alison, but but by the time I'm asking them to do that, what I, I say to young people is that in science, we've discovered that um, we have, about 50 to 80 trillion cells in our body, each one of us, right? And each cell of our body has what we call God code, right? And I'll explain this, guys. For those of you who are not religious, please don't think I'm trying to be religious here. I do have my religious uh, beliefs, but at the same time, as a psychologist, I'm very pragmatic. and And I'm one of these people who, as much as I'm spiritual, I like to be very practical, right? So in 1991, science discovered that in all of the cells of our bodies, there's a five code. There's a five, you know, there's a five word code, right? And and all of us listening here have an idea of the chemistry. You know, the chemistry, how we have the, the, the signs, the codes, like H, if I said H, most people would know it's hydrogen.
0: Right, right.
1: Or, yeah, or if I said if I said oh, most people would know it's oxygen. oxygen. Yeah. So that's the code. That's the scientific code of elements. Of and, and we know life is made of elements. All of us are made of elements. Okay. Right? So, sorry, guys, just be patient with me. Follow with me because this is going to be so important. And once you understand it and pass it on to your kid, excitement, there's excitement and healing that comes with this, right? So what in 1999 science discovered was in every cell of our body, there's a code and it says, it's a five-word code. It says, God eternal within my body. Okay. Very interesting. Now, I want to ask you, when brilliant artists have done a work of art, what is the first thing they do to say this is my creation? What's the first thing they do? They get inspired. Yeah, and also the first thing, another thing they do is they sign it. Yeah. Yes. They sign on their work, don't they? Their art. This. This is my. This is my beloved creation. So they sign on it. So what am I trying to say? That in. Every cell of your body, there is that signature of whatever made you, however you came to life, the artist, the great artist. So that's what is signed on all of us. So how valuable do you feel? When I tell teenagers this, they spring like, they're like, Oh my goodness. I am that important. I am that valuable. I am a masterpiece. You know, we tell kids, Oh, you're a masterpiece. Right. But now, when they actually understand this is not just a spiritual thing or just some Angela Caranja psychologist talking about it, what I do is, in terms of recalibrating, is after you've had all these things and they have frightened you and all things, remember who you are. Remember how valuable you are. Remember. Because sometimes, as human beings, we forget. In fear, we forget, isn't it? But we can remember, and it's obviously our young people will not know unless we tell them this. So it's helping them recalibrate, remind them who they are, remind them how valuable they are, remind them how worthy they are, and when yes. they are in when they're in that position, they are filled with so much love for themselves. And when someone is so full of love, is operating from that position of love, compassion, kindness to self, they cannot hurt another.
0: And it's so empowering, isn't it?
1: Very, very empowering. Yeah. And that's how, as a family, that's how we deal with it. Any client that comes to here at Raising Remarkable Teenagers, one of the things we want them to learn is that they are truly a masterpiece and not just from what we've thrown about all over the place, like literally showing you this is not just a good hype something. This is for real. This is for real. And it really is exciting because when our kids hear that about themselves, imagine how valuable they feel because a lot of these things that are happening, It's because people feel hopeless. They feel helpless. They feel unwanted, right? And what our kids need to hear is that I see you. I hear you. Yes. I value you. I understand you. And not just in words. It's really having conversations like this. Conversations that empower them. Yes. Yeah. So those, if you guys can think of those three R's, especially initiate conversation. Be the parent that initiates conversations. Constantly initiate conversations. I mean, some parents say, oh, my kid doesn't even talk to me. So how am I supposed to initiate this conversation? Let me tell you, parent, I hear you because I have some days when daughter doesn't even talk to me, right? They they are stuck in their room and they don't talk to me.
0: Thank you for bringing that up because I think a lot of parents feel that way at different times. (laughs)
1: There are days you sit there and I'm thinking, how do I connect with this kid? But thankfully, let's think about the gadgets they are using. You know they will be on their phone, right? So what about text them? Text them. For example, I have a girl. I say to her, hi, gorgeous. How are you doing?
0: Just in your text message really quickly.
1: Sometimes I don't even get an answer for 12 hours. Don't be attached because our job as parents is to be like the sun. You show up and shine. Show up and shine without expectations. For example, the sun is out here. I haven't even thanked it, but is that going to stop the sun from coming out tomorrow? No. So that's what I say. Our job as parents is to show up and shine. Show up and shine, and keep showing up and shining until our kids can actually come out and begin to enjoy the sunshine and the light that the sun gives. So I was just talking about my daughter. Like for example, the first thing, first thing I do in the morning, not every day because sometimes they're not awake until midday, right? And as soon as you know they are awake, just pass by there. You know, I call her all variations of gorgeous, cutie, sweet pie, all, all those. Let's not forget them. That's what we used to call them when they were little, isn't it? Yeah. Let's, let's not forget them. So I go in there and I just say, hi, gorgeous. I hope you slept well. I'm not, I'm not even expecting a conversation. Sometimes it's a conversation that ensues, sometimes it doesn't. But here is what happens, especially for our young people who so much is being demanded of them to do, to do, to do, right? What happens when, look, first thing in the morning, they haven't done anything. They probably haven't even washed. So they probably think, I haven't even washed, I haven't put makeup, how am I gorgeous? But this is what we, especially parents of teen girls, let's call them beautiful even before they wear that makeup. Let's call them gorgeous even when they haven't done a thing. Because our kids, our girls are human beings and not human doings. Most of us are so concerned when I walk into that room and it's smelling, because teenagers. They smell sometimes, even when they've washed, right? <laughs> and Alison, I don't know about you, but I consider my family a good family. But I can tell you, there are times that her room looks like a pigsty, right? There, there are many times that I go past her and she's smelling, right? And, and again, it's, there's a lot of hormonal changes happening.
0: Right, it's normal.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes our job is not to, to to demean them or to embarrass them. So anyway, going back to fear, even when we are not specifically addressing the issues happening around the world, it's very important that we are working on our young people's confidence and their self esteem and the person that they are. So we are always thinking. Even how I'm speaking to her, am I being kind to myself? Am I being compassionate? When I walk into her room and she hasn't opened the curtains and it's two PM in the afternoon, what's the first thing I do? Is it telling her off or making right. her feel you know, just see, it's because all these things add up to who they think they are and what they are capable of. And it's the strength they have within that is going to help them triumph when they are hanging out with their friends, or when they are at school, when they come up on challenges. Because we are not always with them. You and I know that we are not with them twenty four seven. Even if they are with us twenty four seven, they're probably not next to us. So, how we can help our young people actually navigate what's happening? So by the way, there is that fear that's coming from around the world, right? The there is also the insecurity from within, right? They also fear. I think, I don't know if we've got time, but there's also the insecurity and the fear from within because in teenage years, there's a lot happening. There's a lot happening in their brains and their bodies. And this is a time when they they begin to fear, They, they begin to, what's happening to me? It's not happening to everyone else, you know? What are these thoughts that I'm having? What are these feelings? You know, they have sexual feelings and they begin to wonder, who am I? There's all these things that are happening and it can frighten them as a person. So again, helping them recognize that is a normal developmental process and then helping them refrain, you know, like there's nothing wrong with me because I felt, you know, I felt this, whatever I felt. And then helping them know, actually, as I grow, this is what's happening. This is a normal developmental stage. I am not alone. I'm not the only one going through this. A lot of other teenagers are going through that. And I don't know if you know about this statistic. We know that, and it's been done again and again and again. And about 40% of our teenagers continue to tell us they are lonely. And these okay. are not
0: yes. orphans. This is very common. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And these are not orphans. We are talking about my teenager. So we are talking about your teenager, like regular, right. regular families, right? So you're and saying
0: like- that it's very important to you know jump in with that welcoming whole state of you know you are valid like you mm-hmm. are by saying, you know, good morning, how did you sleep instead of jumping into this whole piece about, oh, you need to clean your room. Like, did you study for your test last night? Mm -hmm. All of those things that really um, stir up that fear that they have within them and keep them from being as confident.
1: Absolutely. You summed it up so well. You know, you summed it up so well. And I'm sure we can talk and talk about these things because it's a big subject. And it's a big subject because we are bringing up Life, an independent life. So uh, look at your kid. My daughter is a life of her own. I don't know if I shared with you that Halil Gibran's poem that our children are not our children. They are the product of life, wanting to express itself. So you guys, if you can find it, it's on the internet. And, you know, when you consider your kid as their own life and my job as a parent is to continue adding life continue adding life and I mentioned earlier about being conscious being very intentional so that in every minute I'm asking myself and I have to ask this myself I'm not I don't just talk because I'm raising a kid as well and sometimes she's here with her friends so I have to be very intentional as well I'm asking myself In this situation, am I being a conduit of life or a constrictor of life?
0: Yes, beautiful. So um, I just wanted to go over a couple of the things that you said that I thought were really valuable and and kind of circle it back around so that moms can apply it. So Mm -hmm. you were talking about um, really giving love and life to the cells and doing that consciously with the mind. And um, the mind does take care of the body in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are other things that teens or that moms can do or parents to really help bring up their energy so that they can process some of these really heavy topics, integrate them and be present for their teens and not be overwhelmed. By what they're seeing. So, I mean, we can, we can do other things too, right? Like dancing mm-hmm. or um, listening to music or rolling the windows down and like, you know, just really appreciating the breeze on our skin. What other kinds of things come up for you?
1: I love what you said, Allison, because what I've heard you say is looking after ourselves. And there is something I just want to mention before I go over exactly what you asked, because our young people are observing how we manage ourselves. Okay. They yes. are observing us as models. And one of the most influential thing we can do for them is live the life we are asking them or hoping for them to live. So now let's come back to what can we do? You talked about dancing. Yes. dancing you You talked about dancing. Some people pray. Some people, it's authentically doing whatever you need to do to release whatever challenges that you're having from yourself. And there's also knowing, can I do anything about this particular thing? There's usually a yes or a no. If there's anything you can do, then go do it. Yeah. If there's nothing you can do, don't beat yourself up for not being able to do it. But you have to be authentic with yourself. For example, if there is something happening in a different country and there's nothing I can do, beating myself up is not going to change the situation. And then it's going to make myself and my family miserable.
0: Right. Right? And then you're modeling this energy to your teen of I'm going to internalize something that I don't have any control over.
1: Absolutely. And I love you use that word internalizing. And this is when we pick on something. And we know there's nothing we can do about it. And then we are constantly beating ourselves about it, about it. It is okay. To be compassionate doesn't mean you have to do something about what's happening. In fact, compassion starts with you. Accepting that there's nothing I can do about this situation. And what you can do as just as a person is possibly just send them love, and send them those prayers that something is going to change. And if you feel called to do anything, like, for example, contribute towards something, then do it. So you're doing something. If there's nothing you can do, be at peace with that. So one of the things I say, for example, in the morning, even before something has happened, I like to encourage parents to, when you get up in the morning, Set your day such that you're going to be at a high vibration. What I talk about mainly is gratitude. Be grateful. yeah. Yes. Grateful for the new day.
0: Gratitude is a beautiful way to to reset our attention. So Uh, I'm going to bring us back to um, recognize the the challenge that's at hand. mm -hmm. Uh, Reframe it. Find the gift and the opportunity. Where can we help? and then recalibrate. So that's kind of that processing Mm -hmm. the the experience in our bodies. So Angela, I would love to thank you so much for sharing all of this with us and this message of hope in the midst of fearful world. I -hmm. think that this is so important. And I know that you have a free gift for us before we run out of time. Do you want to tell us about that a little bit? Oh yeah,
1: gosh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, Alison, so much, yeah. I, in fact, right now we have a free five day event and it really is called Enough of the Attitude, especially for those of us who are struggling with our teenagers' attitude. And it's mainly what I'm going to be presenting is how to crack the code of teenage attitude. And it's using five very simple strategies. We, as parents, I believe are leaders and leaders our learners, and as we learn these strategies, then we are able to lead our young people to influence them positively into what we want them to become, what we want them to be. And obviously it starts with us, right? Like Alison said, you have to look after yourself and we have to grow to that which we want them to grow. So we have to grow physically, Mentally, psychologically, to such a position of influence so that we can positively influence them. So if, if you're interested in those that we, we've got, I'm just excited even <laughs> about yeah. raising remarkable and that's raising remarkable you'll be able to register there. These are free events. Powerful stuff happens there.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And we will put a link to access that on the website below where you can access this recording. Thank you so much, Angela. It is so beautiful to talk to you today. I just really want to appreciate your what you've contributed and, and the message that you're bringing to moms. Stay tuned with us this week. We have lots of amazing content to support you with the daily challenges you and your teen are facing. Remember, you are the very best person to parent your teen. We are giving you the tools you need to step into leadership and be the best mom ever.